You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Let's go ahead and read in verse number one. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord? I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth the sea and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looseth the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and widow. But the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. Even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. I've had this psalm stuck in my mind and I've, been, uh, I've had notes about it written in my office for uh, coming up on three weeks now, and I finally felt some peace uh, to put things together. But I want to preach to you from this passage here the subject, on the subject, let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about my God. So here's a question, and I'm going to ask people here. It's nice having people here. Okay, how can you tell when somebody is a grandparent? They'll tell you, right? You don't have to worry about it. They'll tell you. It's like, it's like how can you tell when somebody's run a marathon? Oh, they're going to tell you. They will work it into conversation. So how can you tell when someone's a grandparent? They will tell you. They have pictures of the sonogram. They have pictures of when the baby was born. They have pictures of the Little League games and the swimming lessons. And parents are the same way. Uh, parents want to talk about their kids. Whether it has anything to do with the conversation at hand, they're going to find a way to work it in. Let me tell you about what Junior did the other day. He rolled over, or he ate his first cupcake, or he said his first word. You know, the kid's 13. It should probably happen about this time. But it doesn't matter how old the child is. The parent wants to talk about their child. And, uh, I mean, sometimes when you talk to parents and grandparents, grandparents especially, about their grandchildren, uh, it sounds like they're describing a superhero. Uh, they start listing all of these awards and attributes that their child has, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think there's something very special. I think it's a wonderful thing when a parent says, let me tell you about my son, or let me tell you about my daughter or my, or my grandkids. So what are they doing? What are they doing in that moment? To put it simply, they are praising their kids. They're praising their grandchildren. Well, when I read Psalm 146, that is exactly what the writer is doing. Praise ye the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. When I read Psalm 146, I feel like the writer is saying, let me tell you about my God. Just like a, a parent would say, let me tell you about my child. So in times like these, I can't think of anything better to do than to think 
about our great God and praise him for who he is. Look at the first four words of this chapter. What are the first four words of Psalm 146? Praise ye the Lord. What about the last four words of the chapter? Praise ye the Lord. Look at the first four words of Psalm 147. And then look at the last four words. Look at the first four of 148 and the last four. Psalm 149 and Psalm 150. Just look at Psalm 150. Six verses in Psalm 150. And, there, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Thirteen times we are told to praise the Lord. So my question to you this morning, church, is when is the last time that we have prayed and we didn't ask the Lord for anything? We didn't ask him for a request. We didn't share anything other than just telling him how much we appreciated him. When is the last time we just praised him for who he was, for who he is? I know that we praise him when the times are good. I know that we praise him when the pews are full. I know we praise him when the account is high and the hours are consistent and the family is healthy and things are peaceful and life is joyful. But what we're going to see in this chapter is we can praise the Lord even when times are difficult. Look in verse 2. While I live, will I praise the Lord? I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. As long as we are alive, we can praise the Lord. And if we can praise the Lord, we should praise the Lord. If we should praise the Lord, we must praise the Lord. I think of Paul and Silas singing and praying while in prison. After they've been beaten with many stripes, I think about Job, how he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We can always praise the Lord. Now, sometimes it's hard to see. Sometimes it's hard to remember. Sometimes it's hard to understand. But every day, we are able to breathe God's air. We have enough reason to praise him just in that. Too often we base our praise on our circumstances. When circumstances are up, we praise. When circumstances are down, we go silent. But we can't do that. God is still worthy. As long as we live, we can praise the Lord. There was a man named John Janeway, and he was on his deathbed. I don't know much about the man, but I do appreciate what he said here on his deathbed. He, say, he said, I will sing praise to God as long as my breath will last, and when I have no breath remaining, I shall do it better. One day, we will get to heaven, and we'll understand just what it means to praise the Lord if you know Jesus as your Savior. But honestly, why is it possible to praise God always? The Bible wouldn't command us to do something all the time. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. The Bible wouldn't tell us to do that if it was not possible. So why is it possible to praise God always? And we're transitioning in the message here. So this is very important. What allows a Christian to praise God in the valleys just as they would on the mountaintops? What, what allows a Christian with cancer to praise God as if they had a clean bill of health? What allows a Christian to, to be at a funeral and yet praise God as if they were celebrating life? What allows a Christian with a heart so heavy to praise God as if their hearts had no pain at all? What allows a Christian to, um, what allows a church to stay united when we aren't able to fellowship as usual? We trust him 
we trust him. He's the only one who's never let us down. That is what allows us to praise him no matter what is going on because we trust him. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Uh, Look in verse 3. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. Princes, even the most influential men in the world, even the, uh, the elite men in the world, the elite people, even the, the highest and best of men, they're going to let you down. They will. No matter what their status may be, there's one thing that every, what else does the, the verse call them in verse 4? Uh, I'm sorry, in verse 3, put not your trust in princes nor in the son of man. It doesn't matter if they're a prince, they're still going to be a son of man. What does every son of man have in common? The, every son of man is flesh. We are sinners. And there is no help in the flesh. The Bible says, have no confidence in the flesh. A man wrote this, for one man to put confidence in another is, is as if one beggar should ask an alms of another, or one cripple should carry another, or the blind lead the blind. A man can have the best intentions. He can have the most carefully laid plans. He could, he could truly desire to help other people. He may, in some earthly ways, even be considered trustworthy. But in the day that God appoints for that man, his breath will go forth. He will return to his earth. Dust will return to dust, and in that very day, all of his intentions, all his desires, all of his plans will perish with him. Trust is only as strong as its object, and man is very fragile. So when you trust in man, your trust will be easily broken. How much trust can you put in man when the Bible says every man at his best state is altogether vanity? So the reason we don't praise man is because even at his best state, when everything seems to be going well, he can't be trusted. The reason we can always praise God is because even in our worst state, when everything seems to be going wrong, He can be trusted. Look in verse 5. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. You know, I I was talking to um, some of the men earlier. You know, are are you watching sports right now? Is anyone watching sports? And all uh, all the fields are empty, but they're pumping in crowd noise. I want to find a way to pump in amens and, and hallelujahs and all that stuff. We need, we need to figure that out. It's like I can hear you through the, through the camera. Uh, <laughs> we'll find a way to do that. So look, look at the words here. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. What does that word hope mean? A word hope means the expectation of future good. Have you ever gone through a time in your life where there's nothing good in the present? But you can have hope, and hope for tomorrow can bring happiness today. 
Now, placing that hope in man is only going to bring frustration, and that's why the Bible says, hope thou in God, because hope placed in God is never going to go unrewarded, because even if every day on this earth is not good, even if every day in this life is met with heartache, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. So that's why it's so important to know that you will see Jesus someday. Do you know that he is your savior? Have you trusted in Jesus as your savior? And that's what it comes down to. It comes down to trusting him and him alone, taking all of your trust off of other things, off of your works, off of your religion, off of your church, off of anything that you, 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 or I, I, I can do. It all has to be put on him. And it really is that simple. To trust in him to save you from your sin. It takes that faith, and that's why the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please him. We have to have that faith. Trusting in Jesus. What does it mean to trust in Jesus? It means to take him at his word when he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You take that as a promise and you hide it in your heart and you don't let anybody shake you away from that. Trusting in Jesus, you will never be happier. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. You're constantly going to be frustrated if you trust in other people, even if you trust in yourself. You must trust in Jesus. And he is worthy of your trust. And I feel like up until this point in this chapter, the writer is saying, look, we can always praise the Lord because he can be trusted. But let me tell you why. Let me tell you why he can be trusted. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and they said, trust me? And you're thinking, I don't know. I don't know you. And what do you mean, trust me? So the Bible and the, and the writer here is saying, look, you can praise because you can trust. Let me tell you why you can trust. Let me tell you about my God. All right, let's just go ahead and get into it here. When you read verse 6 through 10, I mean, talk about a resume. When's the last time you've had to work on a resume and you're trying to stack it as much as you can and you put it on the cream paper so that it stands out in a stack of white and all that and you're looking up all these things on Wikipedia to make sure that your resume is the best. You're looking up all these templates. Well, talk about a resume for God. Look at all these, these verbs here. He keepeth, executeth, giveth, looseth, openeth, raiseth, loveth, preserveth, relieveth, turneth upside down. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is John 21, 25. How long was the Lord on this earth? 33 years. How long was his ministry? Three and a half years, okay? In three and a half years, here's what John says in John 21, 25. There are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that could be written. So just in Jesus' three and a half year ministry, John, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, said, if you were going to write down every single one, every thought he had, every work he did, every healing he brought, every, every message he preached, you wouldn't have enough paper. You wouldn't have enough ink. Now, what about God? Infinite, eternal. Now, I'm not saying Jesus isn't God. Jesus is obviously God. But I'm talking about just in that three and a half year ministry, that's what John said. Now, let's open that up to eternity. We could go on for all of eternity praising God for every single thing that he has done. And by the way, we will. We will. 
If you're saved, you will. You will praise him forever. But until then, what what does the Bible say about when we get to heaven? We shall see him as he is. We'll see him. We don't have to live by faith anymore because our faith will be sight. We will see him as he is. But until then, we do live by faith. The just shall live by faith. So let's get into it here. We live by our trust. We live by our faith. We live by our hope in God, the Bible says, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is. So let me ask you this. Do you think that you can trust the one who was wise enough, loving enough, and powerful enough to make everything that we see today? Can you trust him? I am not a very mechanical person. Um, I I try to do things with my car. I can change the brakes. Uh, I can change the oil. I can fill it up with gas. I can put in air fresheners and everything. But as far as getting into the inner workings of the car, I really... I really don't know a lot. So can you imagine if I thought something was wrong with my car and I take it into the garage and I don't know who's looking at my car, just a a man that I don't know, and uh, I start running the car and he asks me, so what's going on with it? And I just say, I I don't know, You you hear that noise? You hear that noise? I don't think it's supposed to be making that noise. And then maybe we go on a test drive together and I say, see, the, the wheel just seems to be pulling in this way and, and I don't know, the, the, the accelerator doesn't seem to be responding to me as much as I think it should be. And we go through all these things like, is the blinker supposed to make that noise? And I haven't refilled the, the, the blinker fluid in a long time. I just want to make sure that everything's fine. We get all the way back to the, there is no blinker fluid, by the way. So... <laughs> People are looking, wow, he really doesn't know about cars, does he? Okay, so then we get all the way back to the garage, and I look at this man, and I say, so it needs to be fixed. And he looks back, and he says, no, it's, it's running exactly the way it's supposed to. And I go, wait, it's, no, 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 I, I, I just don't think it's supposed to be doing that. I think it should be running smoother. I mean, how do you know? How do you know that it's running just the way? And then he comes back and says, well, I designed it. If he came back and said, I designed it, I designed this car, I built this car from the ground up, at that moment, am I going to have any problems trusting him? If he's the man who designed it and made it and he said, it is running exactly how I designed it to run, it's fine, I can put my trust in that. So sometimes we pray when we look out at this world, God, is it supposed to be doing that? And is it supposed to be making that noise? And it seems to be shuddering here. Everything seems to be out of control. But then when we read in the Bible, he says there's not a sparrow that falls to the ground that God doesn't know about. He has the very hairs of your head numbered. He has the stars called by name. He designed everything. He made everything. He can be trusted to watch over it all. How about next? Which keepeth truth forever. You know what that means? God never changes. So how can, you, how can you put your trust in somebody that's always flipping? That's why we don't watch the news anymore. Because we wake up on Monday and they say, this is what you need to do. And then on Tuesday, oh no, no, absolutely not. We retract that statement. Or have you ever met somebody at work or you, somebody in your family, just somebody who's constantly changing their viewpoint? 
constantly changing what they say. They say one thing to you, and then they say somebody something to another person. You can't trust that person. God never changes. The Bible says, Malachi 3, 6, I am the Lord, I change not, which means what God said was true a thousand years ago is true today, and it's going to be true for all of eternity. You will find no, so not only can you trust God because he made everything, but you'll find no firmer foundation than to put your trust on him and him alone because he doesn't change. He keeps truth forever. When he said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, that was true. It's true today and it's going to be true forever. How about next? Which executeth judgment for the oppressed. You know what that word oppressed means? It means extorted. Somebody who has been forcefully distressed. Somebody who has been taken advantage of. Have you ever met somebody who has a harder time trusting than somebody who has been taken advantage of? When you meet somebody who's been extorted, when you meet somebody who's been oppressed, you know how difficult is it to get that person to trust again. Well, the Bible says, even those who find it the most difficult to trust anybody, those who have been oppressed, those who have been extorted and forcefully distressed by man, you can safely put your trust in him because he executeth judgment when nobody else will. He'll never mistreat you. He'll never hurt you. He'll never do anything that isn't for your good. How about next? Which giveth food to the hungry. If it were up to us, we would never suffer hunger. And I'm not just talking about physically. And you know, I was thinking, um, I was talking to a, a preacher friend of mine. He's like, you know, when you're preaching on live stream only, you should try to be a little bit shorter. I'm thinking, you're at home, probably got a coffee in your hand and, and a biscuit in the other. I could go for a really long time, right? But why are you always hungry in church? Have you noticed that? You're always hungry in church. And as soon as it goes silent, your stomach... And everybody turns around and looks at you, right? Okay, which giveth food to the hungry. So if it were up to us, we would be in abundance. We would live in abundance. But God knows just what we need in order to make it through. You can always trust him to give you just what you need exactly when you need it. I love what the man Agur says. I think I'm saying his name right. And he, he says in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8 and 9, listen to what he says. Give me... Neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Lord, just give me exactly what I need. I don't want too much so I deny you. I don't want too little so that I have to steal and, and not be the person that I am supposed to be. And guess what? We may often think, Lord, you're giving me too little. Very rarely do we say, Lord, we're giving, you're giving me too much. But sometimes we say, Lord, you're giving me too little. No, we have to trust that he is giving us exactly what we need. But Christian, there are going to be times when we're hungry. There are going to be times spiritually that we are hungry. But David said, I've been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. You can trust him. How about next? The Lord looseth the prisoners. May I remind you, when you are lost, if you are lost, you are bound by the chains of your sin. Jesus found you 
in a prison of your own making. You are sentenced to death for eternity in hell. That's when Jesus found me when I was 12 years old. I was bound by those chains of sin, but I found out through the Bible, Jesus purchased the keys to my shackles with his own blood. And all I had to do was trust in him. And whenever a heart believes, trusts in Jesus as Savior, it is forever loosed from those chains and they're never to be worn again. But I've also seen God free people from the prison of bitterness. I've seen him free people from the prison of addiction and depression and oppression. Depression comes from within. Oppression comes from without. I've seen God free people from the prison of anger against other people and just a, 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 a temper. I've seen God free people from a prison of hate that they had for another person. So let me ask this. If you were at this moment sentenced to, to, to life in prison, and you were introduced to a lawyer who had been in practice for decades and had never lost a case, and he wanted to represent you, would you have a hard time trusting him? He'd never lost a case before. And the Bible says, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. You know another word for advocate? Lawyer. And he's a lawyer that has never lost a case. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Why else can we trust him? The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. We have a precious lady here in our church that is legally blind. And my heart is always warmed when I see her husband leading her lovingly around and, and carefully around the property. Now, I don't mean this in a disrespectful or, or humorous way. Uh, but many times when somebody is blind, they have to trust somebody else to lead them. They cannot see for themselves. They must put their trust in somebody else. We played a game in junior church one time where we blindfolded one of the kids and we put these obstacles up in the, in the room and somebody had to be their eyes. And okay, take one step and another step. And it was a race against, against the kids. And the entire time the kids who didn't have the blindfold on, was just yelling, trust me, trust me, trust me, just keep going. And you could tell the kid with the blindfold is thinking they're going to, you know, I, I don't know what they thought they were going to run into. But here's why I'm bringing this up. Are we ever going to see everything that God sees? We can never see everything that God sees. A lot of times, because we are finite and he is infinite, because we are human and he is God, we're left in the dark. And even if he did show us that light, I, we wouldn't understand it. I think our mind would be blown. But sometimes, I mean, think about Job. When, and I mentioned this, I think, on Wednesday. Job said, I look to the left and God's not there. I look to the right, God's not there. Before and behind, he is not there. I cannot see him, but God can see me. God can always see you. And when you read the end of Job, once God led Job through his trial, here's what Job said. I have heard of God by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. The day will come when God will open our eyes and we will see just what he was doing in our lives. We'll be able to look back and see, I see the obstacles that he led me through. I see the reason now that he put me in that position because he opens your eyes to it when you get through it. In that day, we're going to do two things. We're going to learn to trust him a lot more 
and we're going to learn to trust ourselves a lot less. How about next? The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. Even after all God has done for us, so often we find ourselves bowed down in sorrow and despair. It's, it's really hard to understand how a people as blessed as we are are so prone to despondency. David wrote many times in the Psalms, why, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Think of what David, all the blessings that David had seen, but yet he still had times. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? But when God finds us bowed down, he doesn't yell, he doesn't condemn, he doesn't forsake. He lovingly picks us up to face another day. The Bible says he's the lifter up of our head. Now, why does he do that? After all he's done for us, and yet we're still so prone to doubt, and we're still so prone to sorrow, and to lose our hope, and to lose our faith, why does he not just give up on us? Well, look at the next one. The Lord loveth the righteous. He loveth the righteous. The Lord loves the righteous. The main reason I trust my parents, the main reason I trust my wife, my brother, my sisters, is because I know they love me. They love me, so I, can, I, I know that that love is going to come through, and they're not going to want to hurt me. And the Bible says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. It wasn't enough for the Holy Spirit to say, For God loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. He had to say, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. And if God loves me so much, that I can trust him with my soul, surely I can trust him with my life. The Lord preserveth the strangers. Are we not strangers and pilgrims on this earth? We have no permanent dwelling, no rights of citizenship. This is not our home. We are only sojourning. And yet God of his own wealth and providence cares for us until we can go home. This next one here, he relieveth the fatherless and the widow. You know what I see there? He cares for those who have a hard time caring for themselves. In Bible times, there were few people as helpless as an orphan or a widow. They were an easy target because they, they had lost their earthly protection. But God sees to it that they find relief from their situation. And I can honestly say some of the strongest Christians that I've ever met in my life are young people who grow up without parents and widows and widowers. I mean, they are some of the strongest Christians that I've ever seen. And then this last one here. The way of the wicked, he turneth upside down. Every phrase up until now has been about how we can trust God to take care of his children. This last one here shows how we can trust God to take care of the wicked as well. And here is all I will say about that. The Lord does see everything that is going on right now. He sees the unrest. He sees the hatred. He sees the division. He sees the murders. He sees the greed. He sees the deceit. He sees all of it, and he is going to take care of it. And he'll take the wicked's way that they wanted to use to put themselves up, and God will turn it upside down. Look in verse 10. The Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord shall reign forever. Why is this important to remember? And here, here I'm coming down to the main part of the message, and I'm almost done. Why is it important to remember that the Lord reigns forever? Why is it important 
to remember that God is still in control of everything. And here's the answer, and then I'm going to explain it. Here's the answer. It's important to remember because we easily get distracted by the temporal and we lose sight of the eternal. Look all throughout this chapter. You see temporal things and you see eternal things. So we know that God has made everything that we see. But then we look up and we watch the news or we look around just in the public and we think, look at what man has done with God's creation. The Bible says that God made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. How about this first one here? The Lord keepeth truth forever. That's what the Bible says, right? That's an eternal thing. The Lord keepeth truth forever. Do you know why the Lord keeps truth forever? Because man doesn't. The Lord keeps truth forever. Man does not. And that is why we must trust that of anybody, the Lord is going to keep the truth. That he is never going to change. So we have a choice then. We can either see and trust a God that keeps truth forever. Or we can be distracted by the lies of man. That's our choice. What else is happening in the world? As long as there is sin in this earth, look back, through, look, look back through this chapter. As long as sin is in this earth, there will be oppressed people. There will be hungry people. There will be prisoners. There will be blind. There will be those who are bowed down. There will be strangers. There will be orphans and widows and wicked people. There are going to be those things all throughout the world. And sometimes, even now, Especially now, we're looking up, Lord, look at all this. There's oppression everywhere and wicked people everywhere and everybody's hungry and people are bowed down in, in depression and oppression and it, it just looks like everything's going wrong. But because of God's grace, you know what else is going to be in the world? There's going to be righteous. There's going to be righteous people. Not because of our righteousness, but because he because he was made sin for us so that we could be called the righteousness of God in him. Yes, there are all those things going on, but because of God's mercy and his grace, there will be righteous in the world, and our job is not to worry about all those bad things. Our job is to trust that even though all those bad things do exist, there is a God that reigns over it all, and he's going to take care of it. That is our job. Praise ye the Lord. And our job is to tell other people and show other people how they can trust him as well. If you look up at the public and you have these conversations, everybody's afraid. The Christian right now, the Christian should be the lighthouse. The Christian should be the one that's standing on solid ground and saying, no, I don't understand everything that's going on. And I see the oppression, and I see the hungry, and I see the blind, I see the bowed down, I see the strangers, I see the wickedness, but I also see a God who is reigning over all of it, and I can trust him. So I'm not going to live in fear. I will not live in fear. We can trust him. Tell everybody, you can trust the God who reigns over everything. And when they come to trust him, they will praise him as well. So don't put it off. Don't put it off. Every day, be like that parent. Be like that grandparent.
who's just constantly going to be looking for a way. Let me tell you about my kid. Let me tell you. Can I show you a picture? Can I show you the latest thing that he did? He said his first word. It was like Abu or something like that. But, I mean, it's some, some word that, the, oh, he said his first word. They're just constantly looking for a way to bring it into conversation. That is what we should be doing with our God. We should be praising him every single day. Let me tell you about God. Let me tell you about him. You need to put your trust in him. He is worthy of your trust. He is the only one worthy of your trust. He is the most firm foundation that you could ever put your trust in. And because you can trust him, you can praise him all the time. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.